Welcome to podcast session number 200. We did it. This is Scanner School, and this podcast has been here to teach you everything you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LAE, and it is so awesome to be here. And I want to thank you right now for listening to this podcast and keeping it going for 200 episodes. We did it. 200 is in the books with this session. And again, I want to thank you all. And again, keep things going, right? Look, we have a, a, a three years now running. We've been running a segment called Ask Scanner School. And really, folks, I need your questions. So please go to scannerschool.com slash ask or pick up the phone right now. Call 516 516- Three zero eight two eight eight five, and I'll answer your questions on the next Ask Scanner School session. So, look, I can't think of a better way to celebrate today's podcast episode with you guys. And and I was racking my brain trying to figure out how can I bring many people on the podcast today to kind of celebrate with me, right? So, as you know, right, we have a monthly Patreon. A roundtable discussion with my extra credit club and that's kind of what we did so the last session we held at the very beginning of october uh we basically set aside about an hour and we talked about podcast episode 200 and we then started to say okay well why don't you guys ask me some questions right what is it that is about me or about the podcast or whatever it is that's on your mind or that you want to know about what makes me do what i do feel free to ask right Let's let's do that. Let's change things around a little bit, right? Sometimes I hold the conversation, but this time around, no, nah, it's 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 you guys holding the conversation. So what you're going to hear is a segment of our last extra credit club roundtable discussion. Again, we did a little bit before, and we little, did a little bit after. This is just the middle part, the juiciest part, served up on a platter just for you guys to help celebrate episode 200. Hey, and if you like what you hear. In this roundtable discussion that we're about to share with you guys, why not be a part of it? Go to scannerschool.com slash Patreon and join us over there. Now, before we get any further in this week's podcast, I want to take a few minutes to thank our Patreon supporters. Now, Patreon is an affordable way for you to support the podcast and our upcoming expansion into YouTube for 2022. So think of Patreon as the PBS model of helping out Scanner School. For a monthly or yearly donation, not only do you help support the podcast, but depending on your donation tier, you will receive certain benefits. The most popular benefit tier being our $5 a month or the $51 a year tier. It's the same tier. We just discount if you can pay us over a year. Now, this tier offers the podcast and YouTube videos early, and also you receive a free squelchy pack of stickers, several discounts, and access to our monthly live scanner radio roundtable discussion we hold monthly on Zoom. Oh, and by the way, most of the Patreon levels also get a special version of the podcast that does not include the middle advertising break in each episode. Now, find out more about Patreon and our supporting tiers by visiting scannerschool.com Patreon. I'd also like to take a moment here and thank all of our Patreon supporters. And they are... 
Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Heron, Bill Kay, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pascoe, David C., Danny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Floyd Goff, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, James Bronson, James Felling, James Peruta, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, John Cordoff, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lynn Smith, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Randy Cummins, Raymond Hill, Robert, Robert Kanzler, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Terry Weatherford, Tim Mazza, TJ, Todd Glendie, and William Arcand. All right, so listen, I'm not going to keep you guys any longer from listening to this interview. It was a really great conversation, and uh, I want to jump right into it. So I want to thank Chris Paris for actually operating here as the MC or the Master of Ceremonies. He was kind of voted in, <laughs> I guess you could say. Everybody just kind of said, I, I, I nominate Chris to run the show, and uh, Chris did an excellent job stepping up and directing it. So basically what we did is you're listening in there right now to a Zoom call. And uh, again, there was uh, quite a few of us on the call, but I can't, I can't, I'm just speechless in how, how well it's turned out. So let's just hand it right over. Chris, go ahead and take it from here. Hi, Phil. I have a couple questions for you tonight regarding your history with the scanner school and radios and all that stuff. My question is, you appear to have a pretty large collection of radios like I do. And I was curious if you had one that was your particular favorite or uh, another way of thinking of it is if you had to run out of the house because it was on fire, which radio would you grab when you left? Oof. Which radio is my favorite and which radio is the one I'd save from a fire? It's, it's uh, like, which one of your kids would you save, you know? <laughs> well, I only have one kid. So there's, oh, that's an easy okay, question. Okay, that makes it easier so then. <laughs> yes. So I don't have to worry about that. Which one's my favorite radio right now to use is surprisingly is still the BCD 436 HP. I really, it's, it's the same one I still gravitate toward, even though I have the SDS 100 and it works great in simulcast. And maybe if I, if I was a county over, I would grab that radio. But I just like the 436 because first of all, as of right now, it's the, it's the only handheld I have that has DMR and NXDN applied to it. I haven't yet gone that far with the SDS-100 for other reasons, mainly because I have a course that is on the back burner and part of the course is how to install that. So I've, I've been holding off just for that reason. But I like the 436 too because AA batteries, right? So if the batteries are shot, I can just go ahead and grab something and throw them in there. And also the SMA connector is easily accessible. I don't need any special adapters or or anything like that to plug an external antenna into the radio. Plus, to me, the um, the 436, because it's not the most expensive radio now in my arsenal of radios, if I were to drop it or something were to go wrong with it, I really, not to say I wouldn't be so upset about it, but it wouldn't be like losing the, you know, the, the Bentley of, of my portable scanner radio collection, so to speak. Not to say that it's... Uh, the SDS-100 is up at Bentley level, but it's definitely the most expensive handheld radio. And uh, that's that's one uh, – I think that's one that uh, I could – I wouldn't want to sacrifice, which would be the one I'd save if I was running out of a building. I don't know. Maybe a 780 XLT because <laughs> so, those radios are, are cool and it's um, – 
I don't know. I mean, like I said, I, I've talked before about the fan in that I have, and I'll talk more about that in a future podcast episode. I haven't really talked about that one really yet on the podcast. The BC 200 XLT is uh, warm and dear to my heart because it's the first real scanner I bought with my own money. The 780 XLT, because that was the one radio that I wanted to get, but I held out for the 785. And now I've got a collection of 780 XLTs. So yeah, that's, I don't know which, which, which is my favorite kit. I can't tell you. Yeah, I have the same problem. I've decided that there's several favorites and I keep them all in the same bag. So if I do have to grab them, I can grab one case and run out of the house. It's it's you get out of Dodge kit. Yeah. Of course, we'll probably have some people saying, what about the Whistler or the Radio Shacks? You're all right. So, yeah. uh, yeah. (laughs) They're they're all. uh, the Yupiteros in that bag with the favorite, so. <laughs> oh, you you know it's yeah. The Yupi is is a good. In fact, I I, I bought the Yupi what the MVT eight thousand off eight thousand. Yeah, you worked, just bought them. Yeah, so you said it worked great, and then um, it's all frequency. So I've been playing around with that one, and um, it seems like the master IF is off because I was originally playing around with with VHF, and it was off by by a bit. And today I was tuning around and listening to UHF, and that one's also off. So. I got to figure out where the master uh, IF dial is on there and see if I can bring it back into spec. So it does work, but it's it's all frequency. So yeah, it's, well, it's a cool radio, though. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. Oh. Yeah. But, all right. Oh, well. Should I, uh, let's see. Kenneth has a question for you. Uh, I guess I'll hand it over to Kenneth. Okay. Hey, I have a question. This is a fun question just because it's scanner school. So I noticed all the bumpers in the... Uh, in the YouTube video are, are squelchy and uh, what model scanner is Mr. Squelchy? So what do we say on this one? He's based off of the, I say the, I don't want to, I don't want to say and stay on Uniden because there's actually Radio Shack scanners that also look like him. I'm trying to think what model numbers they are. I can't remember if it's like the pro 80. It's not the brick ones, right? It's, it's the ones that look like, the uh, the SR30C or what, what do you got there, Glenn? Yeah, you got these stickers. He's got his squelchy stickers, yeah. Uh, there's Brandon, too, with his three-pack as well. Hey, if you guys stick them on something, shoot me a picture because I'd love to see them and post them on social as well as where, where Squelchy's out in the wild. I think, uh, Ken, I think you might have actually sent me some photos in the past. But um, so he's built around that. I think the Pro 94 is the same. 84 or 72? 84. 83, 84, I think. It's the same same style. The red, that's the red uh, one, it's an 84. I yes. Think. NASCAR yes, scanner. yes, yes. <laughs> but when I when I sent it out to the artist, I said, look, I said, this is what I'm looking for. I said, I, I'm looking for a radio that looks kind of like this, but not too much like that because I don't want to be too much of a copyright infringement on them. I said, but um, can you make the mouth kind of like a Mickey Mouse mouth? With uh, eyebrows that are uneven and uh, car- you know cartoon hands, so he originally actually drew it with um, with the keypad instead of the speaker holes and teeth. And I'm like, no, nah, there's, there's too much involved going on there. So a couple of back and forths with with the artist, and what we ended up with is what we have there. So that's uh, that's what we came up with. And then when we started with uh, the courses. I hired him back again and I said, Hey, you know, I, I want to add, you know, like a graduation cat, something to make him look like he's educated, you know, not just some stupid little rinky dink uh, cartoon character. 
And uh, that's where we got the bifocals from and the, and the graduation cap. And uh, then we added hair and we took the hair away from him. And I couldn't figure out which way I wanted him to, to look with or without the hair. So uh, he's like, I'll, I'll give you a twofer. You know, you, 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 you give me this price and you can have them both. So, so there we are. So, yeah. So Squelchy is kind of loosely based upon the old Pro 9384, the uh, SR30Cs, and the BC125AT. Something, something like that is, is what he's based off of. So, and Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think Glenn's got a question. Phil, you make it look so easy when you're doing these, and I know it's not. And you always have a good attitude when you're talking to everybody answering any question. But there has to be some part of this in terms of questions or the operations of scanner school that just is really frustrating and really irritates you. What would that be? Podcast editing. That is one of that's that's one of the things I don't do anymore. And uh, it's, it's, it's money well spent. It's expensive, but it's money well spent. So every podcast episode cost me about a hundred bucks to have edited. And it's, it's well worth it though. So they take out all the ums. I think they do. They take out all the dead air. They take out stuff like this we're doing right now. So if there's any dead space, they, they compress all that down and they add all the bumpers in, which we're done with, with some of those bumpers now at this point that we hit episode 200. And, uh, they, they basically take everything I give them and they put it into something really neat. And they actually write the show notes for me as well. So I don't have to go through there and think about what it was that we talked about. Uh, they actually give me something that's that's rewritten. And of course, I go in there, I edit that, I rewrite that, and then that's what goes up there. The other things that I can't stand anymore is uh, – well, not that I can't stand. It's just it's just a not-so-fun part of it is actually writing the podcast episode, especially when it's – when there's a lot of detail, right? Because the worst thing – in my mind, or the thing that I always trip up about is is saying something incorrectly on the podcast. Because once I say it and it's edited and it's published, it's out there. I don't have a chance to go back and correct myself. So sometimes the amount of research I do for a for a thirty minute podcast episode could actually span a couple of days. And when when that would happen, so originally if I was doing that kind of research and then I record and then I'd edit, that's when I was getting burnt out doing the podcast. So that's why we're paying now to have people edit uh, the podcast episode for me. And in fact, I actually am paying somebody now to upload the podcast up to our, our server. I just handed off to her this week actually creating the artwork for the podcast. So all of the uh, the art stuff now she's doing. So that, that means I had to pay for Canva because that made it easier for the two of us to do that. So I am, I am taking steps back to, to be more on the creative end of the podcast. And the goal with that too is also to open up time to do YouTube as well. So again, 2022, I'm going to be big into YouTube. I actually have like 82 video ideas, whether they be little two minute segments or a full five to 10 minute video. And I have a video editor on on uh, on retainer now as well, so I can just create and, and move on because I hate I hate editing. It, it was fun right away, but I'm done with it. It's it's beyond it's it's there's people out there that do it and they do it well. They do it better than I can, and so that's where I am with that. All right, Brandon, I think you've got a question, don't you? Yeah, I actually have two. Um, so especially with what you just said, kind of piggybacking off of Glenn's question. 
how long does it take you to record a podcast? And then also, how do you get the uh, topics for the podcast? Good question. So the, the topics I'm getting thin on, which is really starting to eat away at me internally. Like, what am I going to talk about this week? How do I come up with them? Sometimes it's that where everybody thinks, right? When you've got alone time, <laughs> you're washing your hair and it's like, oh, I got a couple of good ideas right now, right? When you think about your day or whatever it is. Sometimes I find out when I go out for a walk, I come up with some really good ideas. I try to keep my finger on the pulse on radio reference as to what's going on. I actually have emails that are fired off. So I subscribe to a lot of the sub threads in radio reference. I used to love the fact they had the beginners or the newbie threads over there that they seem to have gotten rid of, but I got a lot of ideas on there. Even some Facebook groups, you see a lot of the same questions come up. Even you guys on Patreon, we've had a lot of roundtables where it's like, hey, what's on your mind? What kind of questions do you have? What do you want to hear about? And uh, a lot of them too are even just even uh, people coming in as guest spots. And they're not even my ideas. These are, these are other people's ideas that they say, hey, I want about this today. So some of them I actually have a long list of potential guests that I haven't reached out to yes yet, Chris, and uh, we'll see <laughs> we'll we'll see uh, how how people respond to that one. So there's um, there's a lot of different ways they come in there. How long does it take to record a podcast episode? Whatever you see the time on the podcast episode is pretty much how long it takes me to sit down and physically record it. I usually do it all in one take, being that there's bumpers added into there, there's uh, the mid-break in there. That's That includes basically how long it takes me to record a podcast episode now as far as speaking into the microphone. But there's still at least a day sitting down and making bullet points like like uh, last week's podcast episode where I talked about the pros and cons between a handheld radio and a mobile desktop radio. That was probably at an hour's worth of brainstorming and putting my notes together. Maybe listening to the podcast episode, it didn't seem that way, <laughs> that my notes were too well put together. Sometimes I feel that way after I, after I record. But Sometimes they're just bullet points and I know what I want to talk about. Sometimes I get really granular. Sometimes I script out the entire podcast episode when it's something that's really technical and I want to make sure I hit things correctly. Again, like I don't want to make a mistake through it. And it's always cringeworthy when I am listening to the podcast before I publish it and I hear a mistake that I made and I misspoke about something. And then I have to go, oh, and I got to add that to the session notes that, hey, I know I made a mistake here and this is what I really meant to say. So... But yeah, so that's that's how uh, that's how it goes. I, I sympathize with you because I have the same kind of concerns when I have to write my monthly column. What should I cover this month? It's usually what is in front of me or what I see happening lately, rather than trying to recycle something from ten years ago or something. But I always right. and, and again, I, I always realize that there are new people reading my column, so I got to kind of update older subjects, you know. Right. And I do the same thing now too. It's like, what what didn't I talk about recently? Because again, now you're at 200 episodes. That's a couple of years, right? At this point. point. So people, some people, most people don't go back to episode one. Some people do go back to episode one and, and listen to everything. So uh, <laughs> Brandon's raising his hand. Yes. And then there's a podcast episode that I listened to and I went all the way back to episode one and uh, listened to every single one of, of his as well. So there's, there's definitely a lot of that. And and again, it's just what I'm interested in, right? Maybe I got a box of radios today, you know, and and I'll go through and I'll, I'll talk about, okay, you know, I talk about this radio manufacturer all the time. Maybe, you know, I don't talk about them in the best of, but whatever. This is, this is basically why I bought the box of radios, what I'm doing with them, how I'm going to use them, 
can you use them as a scanner and those kinds of things? So it's, it is a lot of like what I'm working on at that time as well. I mean, I even thought about too, you know, doing just a podcast episode on weather stations, not because I want to get into weather, but because I'm putting up a weather station and some people who are in the scan radio hobby do enjoy weather and it does fit into Skywarn and weather spotting. So you may find a podcast episode because that's just what I'm into that time. So, um, so yeah, that's how I come up with the ideas. All right. I see Jeff's got a question. Jeff? I do have a question. And uh, I noticed in your courses, for example, the Beginner's Guide to Software-Defined Radio, the Advanced right, advanced uh, Software-Defined Radio. So I love playing around with radios, and I love playing around with new stuff. When I look at that, the detail of your courses allows a complete new person to walk through step-by-step and do it. And there's no doubt about that. The detail, the attention to detail that you have in those courses. So it makes, it makes me wonder how much time do you spend? It must be hundreds of hours. How much time do you spend on new technology and and, and adopting it yourself? Because you teach as someone who knows it thoroughly. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, I, I I don't spend nearly as much time as I used to, and I don't spend nearly as much time as, as I'd like to. And that is also part of why I want to get back into doing video creation, because it will allow me to get back into some of that. So if I want to say, for example, here's, here's you know, we talked about it earlier on something different here. What Here's a TYT MD380, right, that we talked about. So... I don't really know much about this radio right now. I just got the radio. But I could easily set up I can I can play around with it, learn about it and make a quick summary video about the radio. And the whole point of the video is how the radio works, should you buy the radio. And I'm only using the MD380 as an example because that's the newest radio in my collection until my, I get my eBay delivery on Saturday. And then that'll be the newest radio in my collection. <laughs> and then we could talk about that on a YouTube video. But that would allow me, again, to to review something, to look at something, and to learn about something. And then as soon as I learn it, regurgitate what I've learned and pass it along. And again, some of the stuff with the SDRs, you can't possibly know everything, right? And and what I've been doing is uh, like for, for HD SDR, which is at the time that you, we're all talking, hasn't been released yet. But all the videos are done. It just I just haven't watched all the videos to make sure that they're up to my standard to publish them. But that was a piece of software that I just dismissed. I I haven't used it. I used other pieces of software that I enjoyed. And somebody recommended to, to me in the course, like, hey, will you be talking about this piece of software? And I said, you know what? A lot of people use it. I know a lot of people use it. So why don't I just include that and introduce people to that piece of software so that if they decide that that's the piece of software they want to use, they now have experience with it. And I, I downloaded the software. I spent a week sitting down, going through the ins and outs, taking notes on it, learning how to use it. And then I sat down and started recording videos. And of course, as I'm going through my notes, of course, it's like, oh, well, how do I do that again? So I had to go back and relearn how to do it. And then while it's still fresh in my mind, then then rec- then record the session on it. So there's a lot of that. And of course, the um, part of that course is as well is a year ago almost, I built that computer. It, I, it, was, my, it was a Christmas gift basically from, my, from myself to myself. And uh, 
I, I didn't build it for two months after the fact, but um, the whole point of that is to get that as a mega machine for software-defined radios. So as I'm building that machine, I'm recording the content for the course, which is allowing me to kill two birds with one stone, I guess you could say. So um, the attention to detail, though, I'll tell you this. You guys haven't seen the course yet, but the module for SDR console is the biggest module in the course at 27 lessons that's huge it's it's i've spent a month recording it i am up to lesson number 20 <laughs> so i i have either a r really long weekend to go or a lot of a lot of weeks left on that on that course to to record that one so but i try to be as detailed as possible because again too i want to be able to come back to that software months later and say, how did, how did I do that? And no, I can go right to that specific chapter in the course and just pull out those, those, that three or four minute video and go, Oh yeah, that's how it's done. And then move on. So that's, that's why they're, they're really small videos. So good question, Jeff. I have a question. Go ahead. How Les. are you into scanning? How are you into scanning, Phil? So sorry, Chris, I didn't, I didn't allow you to, 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 uh, ring lead on that one a little bit. I stepped on your toes. It's old habits die hard. <laughs> so how I got into scanning is, uh, from my dad. He was, um, or is big into, uh, the radios. He's, uh, his, his job is based around radios and, um, his job from when I know him, right. Since I was born has been with radios in one form or another in a two way shop or as a rep or, or whatever else was going on. And he was the go-to guy in our County, basically that if you needed crystals for your scanner, you took a trip down to the, uh, the Marine shop where my dad worked and he would tell you, you need this, you need this, you need this, you need this. And they would load up, you know, your, your, uh, your scanner radio with everything. I was always around radios, but my dad was, uh, was into it. He, you know, he had his license for CB. He had his amateur radio license or has his amateur radio license. My grandfather at his house, my grandparents always had a scanner on. So anywhere I would go, I would be around a scanner radio and hearing the fire tones or the police department going out. Again, we're talking about BC 101 days, right? Watching the little LEDs dance around on the screen. And, uh, you know, that's again, when I talk about, when I go through and review some of these radios, these are the stories I'll tell when I talk about the BC 101. Not only how it works, but what the radio means to me and the memories it brings up and all this other stuff that comes along with it. So uh, I guess you could say uh, a little bit, uh, I don't know, Gene Shepard, I guess, a little bit with the whole storytelling about the whole thing going on, right? And um, you got to watch those antennas, though, right? You'll poke your eye out. So even my uncle, right, he he was, you know, he was big in the scanners too. In fact, he had a BC. 200 XLT. Him and I took a, a ride out to a radio shop and we bought one for my dad. And then with the two of them having one, I felt left out. I had to buy one. So that's kind of where, where things started to go. So I've always had an interest in, in monitoring things. Even through college, I, I had a radio. I had, I didn't bring it with me. I had it shipped up to me. So we, uh, we started listening to the, ca the campus security and the town fire departments. And, you know, that started leading into other things that were happening around campus. So the hobby, while it kind of came and went a little bit throughout my life, it, it's really, really been there. And um, kind of to touch, I think, Brandon, what you were talking about before, maybe it wasn't you, but the uh, the educational side of, of scanning, right? It, it's That's what I love to do is, is uh, 
and why the podcast is here and the whole scanner school thing is, is around and why I named it that way. Because I just want to educate people on the hobby because we kind of know, right? I, I was fortunate enough to have people around me that said, here's a scanner, right? Here's a baby, baby jar full of crystals. Go read the little numbers on the side of them and, and plug them in and see what you can hear. Here's my police call book, right? Go, go highlight or go copy out what you want to do. This is how I would lay out my scanner. People don't understand. Not everybody has that. And scanning when I got started and with the radios that I got started with, it's a lot different than somebody coming into the scanner radio hobby now and not realizing why they bought a P25 scanner. It doesn't work, right? Because of simulcast. It's, it's, it could be way over their head, right? So I know with like other things, what it's like to get into something and, and have that empty pit and not realize where to go or how to get help or what to do or how to bail yourself out of it. So, um, you know, just, just remembering that there's people out there that are, that are in that position, that, that's, that's really where I want to be able to lend, lend a hand and, and help them climb out of that and, and to be happy scanning. I mean, it's a great hobby to be in and there's no reason anybody should be discouraged about it, which is why, again, you know, we always say don't let encryption bother you because, you know, again, it's like equivalent, be an equivalent of, we'll put it that way, of saying, let's get rid of my TV because my favorite TV show went off the air, right? I mean, you don't throw out the TV because, because your, your favorite ball team lost. I don't know, what's the score tonight? But, or, or you don't stop reading because popular communications went away. No, it, you, you don't, you don't say, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not going to get mail anymore, right? And the same whole shoe is scanning. Just because something went encrypted, there's other stuff out there, right? Chris, we always say, right? The secrets are in the searches. There's more out there than just the local police department if that's uh if that went encrypted on you i know long answer but uh that's kind of where i started and where i'm at and and the journey from point a to point b all right looks like alan's got a question alan go ahead yeah thank you chris hi phil i'm actually wondering you're in long island and you've lived in long island practically either all of your life or most of your life if you were given the option to relocate anywhere on the planet and take a few radios with you and you had to spend six months out in that location, where would you go? Where would you spend six months with a reasonable amount of equipment and uh, what would that be like for you? Is there – do I have to prep to go there and maintain it or can I just sit there and play radio all day long? Because that could change my answer. <laughs> Let's go with uh, not having the prep. You basically, you can play radio all day long. Play radio all day long. That's a tough one. See, I would love to have acres and acres and acres of property and not, I mean, I don't want to sound like uh, I, I dislike people, but I would love to not hear or see a neighbor. So let me do on my property what I want and you can do what you want. And to me, that's, that's, um, that's life. That's living. Being here on Long Island, it's it's tough, right? Everybody's shoulder to shoulder, or uh, it's congested, and it's 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 uh, tough like that, right? And uh, I'd love to be able to put out multiple towers, antennas, and not be able to see them from my backyard, right? That's the other thing. When I, when I look at my back, I, I intentionally put antennas where I put them so I wouldn't have to see them from my back door. But uh, when you look at my house, it's it's starting to become a porcupine. In fact, we, we were talking about um, just the weather stations before. I, I had mounted off the back of my garage. My garage, I'm on a corner lot, right, where I live now. So my, I, my front of my house is on the main street, and my garage and my driveway is actually on the side street. 
And so my detached garage is actually in the very back left corner of, of my property. So it eats up eats up a quarter of my of my backyard. And I put on the back of my garage, I put a 15-foot mast. And on top of that 15-foot mast, I put a weather station. So this past year, also my direct TV starts going out. Well, it's my neighbor's tree. It's growing. That's what trees do, right? So <laughs> I'm thinking not too much of it. Direct TV comes out. They relocate the dish. No big deal. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know what? It's it's now it's now October when we're recording this. And uh, it's time to start thinking about really putting up the weather station or else I'm going to have it for a year. And it's going to be in a box because I bought it at the end of last year. And I go outside, I look at my existing weather station, and it's pretty much buried in my neighbor's tree now. So that now becomes an issue because not only was that where I was going to put my weather station, but it would have been a nice place to put a tower because it would have been anchored 18 feet up, and I could have extended it out of the 10 feet, and I could have put a whole array of antennas off of there. I know we're getting to, we're getting to your, your answer. So... Now I'm rethinking, where am I going to put my weather station, right? So again, my house is a porcupine. So if I could live anywhere, I'm not going to give it a geographical location. I'm just going to say I would love to live anywhere that I could have a lot of land that when I looked out on the horizon, I could look any direction and see nothing but stars. We don't have anything like that here. I want the ability to be able to run random wires, plenty of towers, plenty of antennas, and not have somebody say, hey, you can't put that up here or it's too close to the property line. I want to be able to have massive bonfires whenever I want to have them and um, make lots of exploding noises and uh, you know, not, not bodily noises, but things that make a lot of noises. I want to be able to use those things in an environment where I'm allowed to use them so without having to go driving to use them. So uh, that's where I would be. And if, if I moved there for six months, I'd probably end up relocating. But uh, we, we watch a lot of those uh, off-the-grid shows and homesteader shows. And if I could do it, I would love just to be able to do that. But um, it's, it's just I wouldn't be able to play radio then. That's why, that's why when I asked the question, do I have to maintain or can I just play? Because if I had to maintain, I'm not chopping wood and playing radio. So I'm chopping wood, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> so... <laughs> I think they call so, that Texas. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's I mean I big sky country, something with lots of land. I mean, that's that's where I'd love to be. And a good view. That sounds good. My dream location for scanning has always been central Nevada somewhere with all the military stuff going on out there and mm. government stuff. There's just tons to listen to out there. But Personally, I don't just see any more hands up for questions, uh, unless Alan's got another one. But I have a couple of things I was gonna toss out to the group. Oh, well, actually, I was going to, I just want to throw out that Brandon asked about the GPS on the Motorola radios. I have the GPS enabled on my APX 7000 radio that I have, and it's set to receive GPS locations from other units. Apparently, you can set the radios up so they'll transmit. When you key up, it'll transmit your GPS location. I'm assuming for the dispatch console to see where you're at. But my radio will also display location whatever, it'll put up the latitude and longitude. But I've noticed on most, at least on most of the federal agencies I've been monitoring, it always says location unknown. So I don't know if they're not broadcasting their GPS or whether they've got it set not to use it on conventional or whatever. But I'm pretty sure it's just basically, especially in a trunk system, it's just sent as part of the outbound signaling from the radio to the dispatcher so they can see your location. So 
And Phil, I had a question for you, kind of, you can use this in the podcast or not. I don't know on your professional side, if you've gotten much involved in antenna design or operation, the, uh, it's probably higher math than I'm into, but I was curious about the idea of using diversity antennas for eliminating simulcast distortion. In other words, not just a Yagi, but actually having multiple antennas spread around at whatever frequency band you're working on and using the phase differential between these different antennas to kind of tune out or tune in different sites. I know we use it in broadcasting for wireless mics and wireless cameras. We set up diversity antennas, but I don't know if that's gets used in in the in other aspects or other uh, ends of or other parts of this uh, the monitoring stuff. If that's possible to use or not, I don't think you'd be able to do that in a scanner radio because it's only made for the one antenna, and we already have a hard of time with simulcast where you got you know, things out of phase. So a simulcast or a diversity antenna would, you would need something inside the scanner to align that diversity or pick, yeah. right? The, the, you need, the a, yeah, you need an external interface, yeah, to put out one right. output, yeah. And then yep. on our professional, on the microphones and stuff, they usually have, it's a, it's a, I don't know, it's not like a voting receiver, but it analyzes the, the signal to noise ratio, I guess, or whatever on the uh, each antenna and picks the best one, so. Right, and again, it's, you think about your Wi-Fi at home, right? That's 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 got MIMO, right? Uh, multi in, multi out antennas and diversity and stuff like that. So when you look at some of these Wi-Fi routers with two antennas, right? The old ones that was your diversity, and then you had the ones now with multiple antennas on there. I think that there's a couple of SDRs out there that will uh, that will handle multiple antennas, such as like the um, was it the Ker- Kerbos SDR has got uh, an antenna array set up on it. And now I think the new one is is the Kraken that they're coming out with. And I don't know if it uses diversity or if it uses some other uh, algorithm in the, in the receiver, but that will actually tell you direction of a signal and a source. And even as far as some other things with diversity that have been played around with, such as um, like the Doppler uh, effect with um, there's some SDR utilities that have been or, or software has been built that you can actually point an antenna at a known signal such as a radio station and then you point another antenna at like an intersection and just based on the timing difference between one antenna and the other one you can see that the you know the other one's a reflection so you can see how many cars are bouncing or the, the signals bouncing off of objects passing through an intersection so there's a lot of weird things you can do with uh with, with diversity and like but i know it's, it's kind of off off the beaten, uh, off the path of what we're what you're asking about, but uh, that would be neat. It, it really would be neat, but it might for the scanner radio world. It might just be an overkill because again, we're talking about different frequencies and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, stuff like that. So, but again, I mean, your 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 video and even your cell phone has got diversity set up because you know you got a lot of throughput through, so you have beam formation, and you really need to concentrate that signal, and you got a lot of, of, of or spectrum hopping or more than mm-hmm. one user and you're trying to share the resources between everybody. So it's not just, here's my signal. It's there's, you know, the, 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 the beam is actually being swung around and formed. And I mean, it's, it's insane. Like we're looking at antennas now uh, with my job that have 64 transmit and 64 receives beams <laughs> in a single two and a half foot antenna. It, it's, wow. it's nuts. So yeah, technology is crazy. So Oh, I'll ask you something that just came to my mind because I've seen them at the Super Bowls. These uh, spherical antennas, they look like big beach balls. 
that are yes. directional. That's pretty amazing. What do they call those? Oh, I can't think of the name. It starts with an I. And of course, I'll think about it well after this podcast episode releases. <laughs> yes, we, we use those antennas, again, at, at work for special events. So we'll, we'll put them on a cow or a towel, which is a cell on wheels or a tower on wheels. And you're right. It's a, it's a multi-beam antenna. I almost had it. I went to my tongue. But uh, it's a, it's a multi-beam antenna, and it's also a sector or, or, or multi-split. So you may have a 700 megahertz or, or a 1900, 700, 1900, 700, 1900, 700 beam all within there. And you can segment it and put multiple different sectors on there or carriers on each one of those beams. But that's really what, it, what it's for. And they work best when they're closest to the event or where you want the traffic to be, when you put them out further, right, then the beam gets bigger and then it covers more population or more, more, more sections and more people. So instead of actually getting the benefit of having capacity, now you've only got coverage. So you want those giant beach balls out there or the golf balls. As, and, and again, the best way to, to describe them for anybody who's not familiar with them is they look like basically the domes that are over the top of a Doppler radar is, is basically the best way to describe what they are. So, yeah, like I said, I've seen in almost every Super Bowl show that I've been to, they put them up for that. So, hey, did you realize it takes us almost $100 a week just to have this podcast episode professionally edited and sent over to you? This doesn't even include website and podcast hosting, administrative help, and other monthly subscriptions that are required to put the podcast out there. Now, you can help us offset these costs when you shop online. So if you're looking for a scanner radio or some software, looking to bid on items over on eBay, or if you're looking to purchase anything, and I mean anything, on Amazon, you can help support Scanner School in the process. And this doesn't come at any extra cost to you. So please check out ScannerSchool.com support for the multiple different ways that we have out there that you can help support us when you shop online. Again, scannerschool.com slash support. Are you looking to learn more about the scanner radio hobby? We currently have courses on how to get started and up and running with software-defined radios and how to turn your SDR into a fully functioning scanner radio. With free software, you can see more and do more with trunking than ever before. And with new courses scheduled for the upcoming months, our offerings will be expanding into both Uniden and Whistler hardware and software. Check out our courses at courses.scannerschool.com or by looking for the link in this podcast description. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues, too. Visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issue and sign up today. Did you know that a pager can make a great addition to your scanner radio collection. And even if I didn't own East Coast pagers, I still have one or maybe a couple of pagers as a part of my scanner radio setup. This is because a pager can be used to just monitor your local fire department or your regional departments. And if you set it up correctly to alert you when the tones are sent over the air, then the pager will remain silent until you need to know what is going on. 
This frees up your scanner to monitor everything else that's going on beside your local stuff or can prevent you from missing the local stuff because your scanner is busy doing other things. Now, pagers aren't just limited to fire dispatches anymore. Unication has great solutions to monitor both analog and P25 paging systems where many public safety and police departments are switching over to. Swiss Home and Apollo make great analog solutions as well, and all three still sell Pogsack and Flex pagers, still in use by many departments for text alerting. East Coast Pagers is an Apollo, Swiss Phone, and Unication dealer serving the North American market and, of course, is one of my online companies. So if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, contact us for a free quote and let us know you're a Scanner School listener for something a little extra with your order. For all full inventory or request a quote or just to contact us, please visit eastcoastpagers.com. I see Kenneth's got his hand up again. Kenneth's got another question. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, just a follow-up to one of the podcasts, uh, Phil, you had on uh, Whistler Antenna products that came out, what was that, about two years ago? Did you get a chance to play with any of those or uh, do any sort of reviews? I I didn't follow. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good one. Um, in fact, I am going to add that to my list of things that I need to do. So I know they've got, what, three antennas now, and uh, they're interesting looking. That's for sure, and uh, I'll I'll add that into one of the things that I need to uh, review. Yeah, well, you, you still got unopened scanners in boxes behind them. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> you still uh, got okay. that box on you. Know you I'm Pandora's box there, fella. Names yeah, in the house. Well, these are all open. <laughs> these are all open. I, I got this one here is a FT70DR, then the TRX1, then the VX3R. Then an ICR5, an ICR1. Okay, yeah, the, the VR120D at the bottom of the pile is still in the box, brand new. So, okay, I'll give you that, Jim. Hey, Phil, just to give you an update on my local system here, as you called it correctly last month, they've now added three bus companies full-time. Our call, local college bus company our city bus and then the county bus or the one that does multi-counties and the general service administration. So they have four agencies that are full-time on that system and they're just slowly adding systems to it. They haven't added any more voice channels yet. So they're going to do that eventually, but those are still being used. They're reusing the same channels from their type 2 system on the p25 which is why they haven't pulled more channels yet right so that's a brand new p25 system that your your county is deploying out that basically had nothing on it until just recently then huh yeah i've been listening well yes and no what they okay. are doing is piggyback piggybacking off of a local city's core they're going to be site two where Karen okay okay Carry is site one, Wake is site two, and it, but they run their own system on site two. And um, I've been listening to it since November of, for almost a year now, November of last year. And just within the last few weeks, they've started to actually add systems to it. Good. So it sounds like you'll have some more stuff to listen to now. Yeah, well... <laughs> It'll be the same stuff, it's just a different right. system. So, but we're yeah. slowly, 
And the nice thing about them slowly adding systems is I'm learning the radio ID sequences for each agency, which fortunately Brandon helped me put together a Viper list. And they're using the Viper radio IDs on their system so that they can transfer over to Viper if they need to. And then we're learning the talk groups also makes it easier to discover new talk groups. Nice. Nice. Glad it's glad, I mean, that's part of the fun part about being in the hobby too, right? It's discovering what's happening as, as you're uncovering it and, uh, and getting through it. So it'll, it'll be, uh, it'll be exciting. It really is. Hopefully there'll be more people here to help me with it. But um, if not, I mean, I have one scanner that's 24 seven that's recording everything on it that isn't identified. And then I have Unitrunker 2 running 24-7, logging everything. And as it goes through, when I'm sitting here not doing anything, I have the computer right here on my desk, and I'll add in who they are for the radio IDs, you know, the best I can, so that when they pop up later, I don't need to see a talk group. I can automatically identify them from the RIDs. And that's to me, that's one of the West, one of the, the, one of the, the, the most fun you can have kind of, I guess you could say with the scanner radio hobby, right. Is, is I, I spent hours doing exactly that. Just sitting in front of Unitrunker or, or even pro 96 com or something like that. Mm-hmm. And just going through it, listen, going, okay, all these radio IDs were on this talk group. Let's tag them. And now all of a sudden you see them go someplace else. Now you know, okay, that's a PD talk group because it was a, a PD radio that I've, that I've uncovered someplace else. And then you start breaking it down and you can find out, okay, these are, uh, you start taking all the ambulance IDs or the, or the uh, you know, if you got to start going to like the PD units, sometimes radios get pulled out as they break and they just get thrown into another vehicle. So those numbers get all messed up. But uh, dispatcher consoles, you can find out like, oh, they're on the backup system today because the radio ID changed. So... A lot of stuff that uh, you can uncover when you start looking at the layers like that. So have fun with it. It's it's well, a blast. We've gotten lucky because our statewide system, Viper, right, has a set of radio IDs that we kind of pretty much know what they are. And that's what they're using on the new wake system for their radio IDs. So I can transfer the list that we have now over to the radio, when I see it pop up, I can say, okay, that's most likely Raleigh Police or Wake County Sheriffs because we've seen it on the Viper channel and we know where that it falls in those ranges. Nice. Well, enjoy setting it up. It's a lot of time, but it's rewarding in the end. Even if it's just for you, it's still something that's fun to do. Yeah, Glenn, I actually did want to tell you, um, I just learned this recently. The so the state IDs that are given out by DPS, Highway Patrol, whoever runs Viper, I think it's Highway, but those are actually followed around. And unless a county is using NXDN like Jackson, where they're using like a, a conventional system or something like that, they actually follow those lists. So like uh, here, we're using Uwazi in the city. Our IDs follow with Viper, so that way they can cross transfer. So if city needs right. to switch over to like city fire needs to switch over to county alpha for example it's, it'll transfer over with no issues that's true as long as they're on the p25 system right if it's like they jackson county on type two 
Motorola Type 2, and they're switching to P25, so they have to get rid of all their old radio IDs and add in the new ones. Oh, I didn't know they didn't have... Right now on Unitrunker, both are popping up. So, you know, it's it's a little confusing that way, but am I just identifying the Viper RIDs? Right. Okay, I didn't know they actually used separate ones over there. That's good to know. Well, I had a question and I completely forgot it. <laughs> Go ahead, Brandon. <laughs> no, I completely forgot, forgot it. it. <laughs> It'll come back to you. Oh, yeah. So... My county, actually, our college holds a basic law enforcement training, and they've received a bunch of old radios from our old analog days. Do you believe that they could be using the licensed frequencies, like the 453, just in talk-around mode, or would they be possibly using FRS for it? Because they have multiple channels for like different scenarios they're doing. But I've yet to figure out what they're actually using. Uh, that- that's that's one of those deals. It depends how good the radio guy is, right? They could have just taken the radios out of the box that they recycled and just said, "Well, here's a pile of radios. Go ahead and use them, and pick a channel and go on it." I mean, that's. I mean, you look at some of these radios that people like, look at the Balfongs, right? People buy these radios, they turn them on from Amazon, right? They turn them on. It says what one forty four dot zero. And they just start transmitting on there because that's that's the frequency that just came up. Doesn't make it right or right, but they could say, okay, there's, maybe there's tactical channels that are already in there, so maybe they're reusing them. Maybe somebody knew what they were doing and they put in maybe FRS channels, or um, if it's VHF, MURS, or maybe they put in the VTAX or you know this channels in there. It's an HT. It's going to be low power, so it's it may be difficult to understand or find where they are unless you're right there with them, within uh, you're shot away from them. But uh, but again, you got to have to hunt them down. They could be they they could have done the right thing and reprogrammed them, or they could just say, "Turn to channel five, let's go." Okay, I might see if I can take my scanner up there one day and when I figure out whenever they're doing training like that and see what I can run. Thank you. Okay, no problem. Hey, Les, you got a question or I hear the dog in the background? Uh, I got a comment, yeah. I mean, um, okay. a good idea to get a frequency counter. And you get a frequency counter going find what you're using for frequencies and those radios. You get a pulse and I can use a frequency counter. You could. You could. You could grab a frequency counter uh, and see what you come up with. But you got to be relatively close, though, for that frequency counter to work. It's, it's got to be like right right next to that radio. So. But another question I've got, too, is that the um, up here in Toronto, they've just started – Switching around sites randomly now for um, on the Toronto system now. It'll show up a, a frequency and it'll show up uh, site five. Let's let's crop up with site eight. You keep randomly changing all the sites from one day over every, every transmission. So so they're changing the actual. The they're changing the site numbers yeah. like every, same frequency though. They're randomly, yeah, yeah. No, no, not the same frequency, system? but they um, it's um. They're now TDMA. They've got a TDMA up here. And what they're doing now is it's a 700 megahertz system. And what they're doing is each area of the city, like there's east, west, north, and south zones. What they do is each zone has its own frequencies. And it's all in the 700 block. And um, except for the stacks, everybody's got the stacks, everybody's got the app, uh, able to use the uh, south south operation too for anything major. And what they've done is they've um, created uh, two sites each each quadrant, like north, south, east, and west. Each has got two towers, 
And they, they did, at random, they, 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 the voter randomly puts a, a tight treadmill, uh, which, which is which is not busy. It's not, um, what the word for it, not uh, clear. If there's something on some fairy or something, they'll, they'll switch it. And, and I'd watch the, the uh, SDS 100 last night, and all that thing, I'm flipping from 1 to 8, 1 to 8, and then all of a sudden I go to 5, 6, 5, 7, 8, 5, 7, 8, and once in a while I'll go to 9. 9, 9 to backup, apparently. I was talking to a friend of mine. He said, nine's probably a backup. It's it's DMR? No, it's straight uh, DMA right now. Not DMR at all. There's lots of DMR up here, but that, that, they're not, their fire is not DMR right now. It's a, it's a, it's a, a Toronto a, Emergency Management It's a Toronto uh, emergency, med, uh, emergency System. And it has ambulance, police, fire, and it has the um, housing company on there, like the Toronto Housing. And the constables and that, they have um, the Toronto police are on there, and it's all except for police, except for the Queen's Park where we have our legislature. The security there is police, and it's not that, that's not encrypted. But it's just yeah, flashing around everyone's logo. Yeah, I'm looking at the system. Now, it's like, probably happening. Yeah, what's probably happening, uh, Les, is your scanner is probably bouncing between site five, six, seven, eight, right? But you, you've got um, the same. The same talk group is being simulcast on all three towers. So while your scanner is scanning, it's also scanning through each one of those towers. And um, you're, that's why you're picking up the talk group on multiple different sites. So it's not that they're renaming the sites. It's just that you just have to be picking up the different sites. But the same talk group is being simulcast on all of those sites. So that's that's why yeah. – yeah, they, they, they wouldn't be renaming those sites because, uh, again, that's a problem with, with programming in the radio and telling the radio where to go. That would be a, a logistical nightmare on, um, on on the other side. So it's it's your scanners is scanning through the different uh, the different sites. They're on the system day and night. They, they uh, keep working on it and they keep training people on it all the time. Like they'll run um, radio scenarios once on, once on the weekend. They'll run a, a training exercise where they'll put the um, – not actually like a chief, chief in his – Driver will and they'll test radios with a truck in built in, okay. in a particular building in the city, and they'll say cast on five, cattle five, one, two, three, four, five, over and over again. And I think it's because they're not really getting functioning enough on the TMA properties. You try to train all the guys on how to use the TMA radios. Yeah, they they could be trying to troubleshoot areas or because uh, they could have areas too that they don't have great uh, great reception or they're oh. having a hard time getting on the network. In the West Kansas City, down down the old part, part of Toronto, they had a, uh, a valley. It was right down, right down, almost almost, almost to sea level almost. And when they first started doing 800, they couldn't receive anything down there. And they had to find out how they could In fact, they were almost ready to go back to UHF and back to even VHF. They got, they, got, they got a backup system here with all 800s right now for a backup. In case the 700 was down because of the, because of the gall around down in the West End. It, really, it, it drops right down. That's that's all part of building the network. <laughs> They're supposed to have all that stuff shuck out before they uh, they put anybody on it. But uh, they, but yeah, they, it they, they like did it. A, they tried it, and uh, uh, and that's something nervous when the firefighters couldn't hear themselves talk, and that's why they're not encrypting here because they're afraid to encrypt in case the encryption goes wacky. Yeah, well, you don't have a good decode on something, right? It's hard to get that as well as in there as well. So, Chris, it looks like uh, Brandon's got a question also again. Hey, Brandon, you got another question. Go ahead. Yeah, this one was actually um, kind of related to what uh, Phil was talking about earlier, like some personal questions. So did you always want to go into like radio engineering or radio technician or 
did you want to do something else related, like like a different career path other than dealing with radios? It, it's funny you bring that up. I had actually had a conversation not related to this, but kind of in a way with, with my neighbors last weekend that I wish that somebody told me in high school that it's okay not to know what you want to do with your life when you graduate. It always it was always one of these deals, right? What are you going to major in in college? What are you going to go? What are you going to do, right? What, what what is your life going to be for the next what fifty or forty five years, right? What are you going to do with your life for the next forty five years? I'm eighteen. I don't I don't know what I'm going to do next week, right? Yeah, I'm supposed to know what college I want to go to. I really, I mean, I always had an interest in radios, but did I know I was going to get into something like this in in high school? No, I I didn't know what I wanted to do. And if somebody told me, hey, just get your lib arts degree and figure it out in two years from now, that would have been okay by me to, to, to take that time. Or if somebody said, hey, go into a trade school and become an electrician or a plumber or get a, become a mechanic, do something with your hands, I probably would have jumped on that at that time. And then the radio stuff would have just remained a hobby. I was really fortunate enough that when I graduated high school and was – probably about a month away from from going to the community college. There was a state state school that was eight hours away from home, still in New York State, all the way up against the Canadian border. And they had just announced they were coming out with a wireless telecommunications degree. So I was part of the first class to go through that, that their program up there. Of course, when we went back for our third semester or the second year and we start looking at what the first semester kids are doing, they're doing the exact same stuff we're doing. So we, we knew that you know going through it the first time around wasn't the best thing to do, but it led me down my career path and I don't regret it doing what I'm doing. I, I love my job that I'm doing right now, as though some days you wouldn't know I love it as much as I do love it by speaking to me because you know <laughs> there's a lot of stress that, that's involved with anybody's job. But yeah, I mean, I, I would have I would have ended up in radio somehow or another, whether it be a hobby. I'm not really as involved with radio as I I would have thought I would have been. Like I would have been uh, like I started as a field tech, and to me that that was that was great. You know, hands on, touching transmitters, putting up antennas, fixing coax connectors. You know, doing all that work. Now it's um, I, I do a lot of design, so I, I don't really. I don't tweak anything RF wise anymore. It's to me, it's more of a, you want to put an antenna here because of this, or you don't want to be blocking this, or this will be blocking this, or this is going to be a problem for, for everything else. So it's more of a theory based position I have in my job now, but, uh, but yeah. So anybody listening who's, who's at that age right now, don't worry about it. If you don't know what you want to be when you grow up, it's okay. You can figure it out and it's okay to change careers too. <laughs> All right. See, Arthur's got a question. Go ahead. All right, Phil. You get one scanner and one ham radio. She's from. What would they be? Uh, okay, so radios. Yeah, so I'm gonna go back to. I think we. This was earlier too. I'm gonna go back and grab the 436 HP, even though it doesn't perform well in simulcast. I'm grabbing that one because of the fact, again, that it's it's got a an SMA antenna connector on top that doesn't require any type of adapters like the SDS 100. Yeah, true. It doesn't work well in simulcast, but I'm confident enough that I could get it to work well enough to where I could, I could take it. Double A batteries on it is, is, is a win for me because it, um, 
I, I can go to CVS or any type of corner drugstore and buy batteries and be back up into races with it. An SDS 100 just doesn't allow me to do that. When the battery dies, it's kind of charged. So if I'm grabbing a radio for something like that, then that's what I'm grabbing. And it's portable, right? If you said if I had to get out and run and grab a radio, right? That's it's a handheld radio. That's what it's made for. I'm not going to grab a desktop radio, unhook it from the desk, try and grab a gel cell battery. You know, I mean, it's, there's a lot of moving pieces when you have something like that. A one ham radio that I would take with me, I don't know, maybe a an all band all mode radio. I've got a couple that that would fit that. Uh, they don't do DMR or P25 or NXDN or any type of digital communication or even D-Star. And I would want to grab something like that because of the ability to to talk from a handheld and go out worldwide, right? Maybe I would want a digital radio that would allow me to do that. But if I grab a radio like a TS-2000, okay, it's not handheld anymore, but it will allow me to go down from what, 160 meters all the way straight through up to 1.2 gig and anywhere in between. If I want to talk large distances, I can get down on HVF or I can jump on a satellite band and and operate like that as well. So I would grab a radio like that that would definitely have um, multi-band, multi-mode capabilities on it. I mean, not too digital, but at least I'd be able to do something with it. Anybody else got any questions? I don't see any more hands up. Well, hopefully you can make a podcast out of this, Phil. <laughs> Yep, you guys did well. I want to thank you guys for asking questions tonight and picking at my brain. Uh, this is a great way to – I'll do the outro with you guys right here. So, Chris, thank you for hosting more or less in, in, a, in a capacity <laughs> whatsoever or, or at least taking the MC role on tonight's podcast. I know not everybody asked a question, but uh, it's it's not all about – you're participating by listening and participating by being here as well. I want to thank you guys for uh, for celebrating and being a part of podcast episode 200. So like I said, whether you've asked a question or you just participated. And again, we've had some people drop off the Zoom session tonight. But um, it's it's been fun. I mean, 200 episodes is a huge milestone. It's a, uh, it's a long, long road. And uh, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that you guys were a part of today's podcast episode and the truth is without you guys being here without your support and uh it's not even like support as far as being on patreon and being on the platform it's it's having you guys as far as a fan base right uh, being there and supporting me uh, mentally <laughs> throughout the journey it, i can't thank you guys enough for for being a part of that and being a part of the the smaller community that that does make up scanner school so Again, everybody gets a, a round of applause for me for, for, for being there and giving you guys still a pat on the back and everything else. And uh, great questions tonight, guys, or today when everybody's listening to the podcast. We're recording it at, at, at uh, Tuesday evening. So, again, thank you all. And, and, and again, from the bottom of my heart, thanks thanks for, for being there and being a part of, of, of this entire project. We'll call, it a, we'll call it a project. It's what it is. So thank you very much, guys. I just thought of one more question to ask you. Oh no, it's too late. No, go ahead. I know. <laughs> but when you started this, did you think you what did you think you'd get to 200? Did you think it was going to last that long? I knew I was in for the long haul, let's put it that way. I, I'm a firm believer in in testing something before you go all in, right? So with uh, a lot of things I, I I test that. And to me, the podcast was tested by just saying, hey, I jumped on a couple of Facebook groups and I said, I'm gonna start a podcast based on the scanner radio hobby. 
I, I just need to know you're interested. If you can go on my website and just put your name on my email list and I'll let you know when the podcast launches, to me, that will just confirm that there's an interest in something like this. I hit a number that I wasn't going to say I needed to hit, but I hit that number. I exceeded that number. So I knew it was something that was going to be there. And I just didn't have an end in sight. Like to me, it wasn't like, let's get to 100 or I'm not at, let's get to 200. It's let's just keep on going until either I can't take it anymore <laughs> or, <laughs> or until we've, we really run out of ideas. Now we're getting close to running out of ideas, but I don't see that as being the end at this point. So we're going to keep going. I mean, as far as this point goes, I am, uh, we'll continue to do this. So let's, let's do another 200. So, let's, hey, let's, let's, make, let's make it to five. Let's make it to five. <laughs> so I like about your podcast and why I listen to you more than others is because you are open to all aspects of the radio hobby. Okay. You did a podcast where you compared the unit ends to the whistlers and which one did better on spectrum versus and and you were open about it and you were honest about it. some of the other out there just want to make theirs all about the unidents and i'm a big whistler fan that's all my radios are whistlers and um you know i mean to shut me out of the conversation you know, just kind of turns me off. And you don't do that. You leave it open to everything and you're objective about everything. And um, and I like that. That just makes a big difference. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I, I, I do recognize, right, that everybody's got a, a, little bit of a, a little bit of a bias, right? They always play favoritism one way or the other. My radio collection is a little bit more heavier on Uniden than it is on Radio Shack or, or Whistler. And a lot of that was only because of the display difference between the amount of information I can get out of a Unidin versus the amount of information I can get out of a Whistler or, or GRE or Radio Shack at the time, right? Because it was only nine characters versus it was nine, then it was 11, but Unidin had 16, right? It was, it was, you got more out of it when you, when you, and that's why I kind of gravitate that way. But I do have my very first trunking scanner was a BCD 785D. But my second trunking scanner was a Pro 95. And I almost wore the keypad off that Pro 95. So it's, you got to recognize, you know, one way or the other. And, and I won't, I mean, I, I, I might, I might give the impression a little bit at times that I do have favoritism towards Uniden, but I do enjoy the Whistler product line. There's things about the Whistler product line that I, or, or the GRE line, right? Because GRE really made the stuff first that I like better on that side of the house. And, um, you know, you've got to keep an open mind on things. And again, you can't just be a Ford guy or a Chevy guy or, you know, it's, you've got to recognize strengths and weaknesses on both sides. And, uh, uh, the one thing I do try and say, though, is is I try to keep it related to the scanner radio hobby. I know a lot of guys, they are just turned off to, if you bring up amateur radio, they're done. They don't want to hear about it. Or if you bring up CB, they don't want to hear about it. So I do make sure I do walk that fine line that everything at, in some way has to do with the scanner radio hobby when I talk about it. So that's 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 the core of where everything must be related to it in the in the end of the day. So. 
Thanks. It is scanner school, not radio school, right? <laughs> that, and that's the thing. And again, I consider software-defined radio as part of the scanner radio hobby. I see a lot of the hobby going that way, which is why we did spend quite a bit of time talking about software-defined radios and introducing them. And we're gonna we're gonna loop back on them again in a, in a little while as well. When you know when we when we haven't talked about them for a while, we'll bring them back into into the into the the, the forefront again. So, um, but yeah, you gotta you gotta touch touch on a lot of stuff and. It's, uh, you know, we got to talk about more about shortwave radios and utility monitoring because, again, it's not scanning, but it's still monitoring. It's still receiving, and it's not traditional scanning. It's not VHF and above, right? So, All right. Well, thank you, Phil, for all your efforts and keeping us entertained. So we appreciate it. All right. I, and again, Chris, thanks again. Great job tonight as, uh, as running as, uh, as MC. Chris, thank you so much again for hosting Really, without any warning, <laughs> you did an excellent job. And for everybody who was part of that process on the Zoom call, whether you were participating by asking questions or if you were just listening in, and I know some people had to drop, and I really wish that some of those people would have been able to stick around longer. But we get it, right? It, it's it was um, it went long. It, it went it went longer at, in time, basically, than we expected to, and many people had to drop off because of other commitments. But again, if you got a taste for what the roundtable discussion is, please go to scannerschoolcom slash Patreon. Please help support the podcast. It's what's been keeping us going. And look, this is session number. 200, like I said earlier during the conversation, hey, let's get up to at least 500, right? That gives us another couple of years of doing this. So again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being here, being a part of the podcast and supporting me along the way. Without you guys listening, right? You guys really, really are what makes the podcast go just by downloading this podcast and listening to it. I see the numbers and I see what people are listening from and it just keeps me motivating, keep me going. If you want to really help out, you can share the podcast with somebody else. And again, that's the whole point of Scanner School, right? Is to help educate more people about the scanner radio hobby. So share the podcast with your favorite Facebook group or somebody on an email list. Make sure you subscribe over uh, on your favorite podcast player. Or if you listen to us over on YouTube, click on subscribe over there as well. But until next week, hey, again, thank you so much. Thank you again. Thank you for helping me get to episode number 200 on the podcast. You guys rock. I couldn't have done this without you guys. Big round of applause. You guys were much a part of this as I was. We'll catch you all again next week. Again, my name is Phil Lichtenberger from Scanner School. Signing off again, and we'll catch you all again next week. 73.